there's nobody alive that doesn't need these coping skills. And I always say, I wish it became part of our curriculum where we could take care of our mental health the way we take care of our dental health. If nothing's wrong with us, it's part of our curriculum to go get your teeth cleaned, to go get an x-ray, to say, look, mom, no cavities. But there's nothing in place in our society where even a young child is asked questions and just to see if the response is in the healthy range spectrum, you know, because we don't know. And it starts really young. And I think that's the biggest problem in our world is mental health. I'm Ilaria Baldwin. And I'm Alec Baldwin. And this is our podcast, What's One More? He's a beloved actor and comedian. And you also know him as the host of Deal or No Deal, and currently as the host of America's Got Talent, Howie Mandel. And she's a producer and mom to their three kids, Terry Mandel. It's obvious that Howie and Terry are incredibly accomplished and successful, but there's more to their story. That's right. 15 years ago, Howie was one of the first people to courageously open up about living with OCD and his struggles with mental health and wellness. But what you might not know is how living with OCD also affected Howie's marriage and family. This is such an important conversation to have, especially right now when so many of us are suffering. This issue is also very personal to us because we've been learning a lot about OCD over the past few years. OCD is something I personally struggle with, and I'm grateful to Howie for opening up at a time when few people were talking about this publicly, and there was even more of a stigma about OCD and mental health than there is today. It's through empathy, understanding, and being kinder to one another that we can finally remove the stigma and change the narrative. We are still very new to the journey of understanding what OCD is, but we are learning that by being open about our challenges, we find a community where we realize we are not so alone, and we can be a part of paving a way for more people to seek help. It is through understanding and support that we can create a safe environment to support all of our mental health. Howie and Terry's story is a reminder of the importance of seeking help when you need it, for yourself, and for the ones that you love. So listen up. This is a conversation about mental wellness, marriage, children, and let's be honest, it's Howie and Alec, so there will be jokes. I want to ask you a serious question. Okay. You made movies, you did Sane Elsewhere, you had a big career as a TV actor, then you went and did all these other... Aside from things about germophobia specifically, but the OCD underlying that, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, which was, is germophobia the only way that that OCD was expressed? What was the beginnings of when you started to track that and sense that? Because I'm going through this myself now. I am, like really seriously. Well, OCD is the uh, inability to uh, stop the reoccurrence of intrusive thoughts. And we all have the thought when people come up to me and they go, you know, I got I have a little bit of OCD. I don't think there's such a thing as a little bit of OCD. You either have OCD or you don't. And I will have the thought that anybody else has, except that that thought is so intrusive and so repetitive that I can't move on with my life. So if it is germs and it sometimes is and I have to wash my hands. I will uh, compulsively have to wash my hands. And then at, when I leave the bathroom, I don't feel like I got it all. So I go back in and then I come back out and I don't think I got it all. So I go back in and I scald it and I turn it on by the same token. If I leave my house and I don't think I've locked the door like any other person, I'll go back and check. And then I go back in the car and I go, I probably didn't check good enough. And I go back and I try to wiggle the uh, handle again. And then I go back. 
And I've done it up to like an hour, over an hour of just checking and knowing intellectually that I've already checked it, but then I'll have to force myself. I'll take my knuckles and I'll smash the door so that I have pain or I cut my hand and then I go, I have the pain. So I know that I, I locked it, but I still, you know, it's, I'm, I'm still obsessed with the fact that the door might be loosened now. So I go and check again and I miss appointments and I miss, I drove this you know lady. What? what? You didn't check the door here. I know. She likes to play with my. He's a lot better now because he's on medication and some people need it and some people t- do therapy, whatever you're doing. And since he's been doing that, he is so much better. But then the pandemic has set him back. So now he's, it was a little bit harder. I had to kind of bring him out of his shell a little bit and show him that it's okay now. He can go out around people a little bit more. So that's been hard. You know, all the words that you just threw out there are words that I have been learning a lot about um, in regards to Alec over the past year. And I'm wondering always how how to support, because one thing that has helped me to understand more about OCD has given me more patience rather than- Honestly, I have no patience. I don't have that much patience, but I will (laughs) tell you this. He had to learn how to live in everybody else's world and not on his own. Now, when he went to therapy, it really helped him. It's, he has to learn to cope with it. And then we have, you're right. We have to have a lot of patience, but a lot of the work has to do with him doing it. I've dealt with this my whole life, you know, and from I don't have any memory of not having these issues. And because of these issues, you know, I make jokes about it now, but I wasn't I don't have a GED. I couldn't even stay in school and I would have loved to uh, got a further education. You know, I've done okay, but I'm, I'm interested in in being educated. So and I had no friends and um, it was debilitating. When we have been married now for 41 years, but um, I I think about 25 years ago, she said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't do you. You know, this is really hard. And it is. I was making everybody's life around me miserable. We would be going on a vacation somewhere and we'd be in a limousine going to the airport. And one of my kids would cross their legs and their shoe would touch my pants. And I would have to turn the limo around, go home and change my pants and miss the flight. And finally she said, and I was never doing anything. You know, I'm I'm older than you, Alec. And I come from a world where there was a a huge stigma uh, in dealing with mental health and saying that something isn't right and you're acting crazy. So nobody even talked about it. Nobody got help. Nobody did anything. And she just said, this is just too much. This is too much. If you don't get help, then I'm out. You know, and the, the way she wasn't walking away from me. She was saying, go do something about about yourself. So she yeah. I, I was forced to go get therapy. And that's when I started getting better. So she is she's my hero. But at the same time, it's not you're asking her how she copes. The, okay. the point is to be supportive, but it's not anything that I could have coped with myself. And still, to this right. day, I am constantly finding new coping skills. I mean, and don't a, forget, he was on the road a lot. Right. That's good coping for her. Right. Yeah. That I wasn't here. So he was gone a lot. So I didn't have it constantly. Always. If we right. were living together and, and always together, it's harder. When the COVID came and you are home, you're not on the road. Did it everything kind of magnify? Was it really? Yeah. So this year has been, you know, I make jokes about it. You know, we had our 40th anniversary in lockdown. And uh, I said, I'm not so sure there's going to be a 41. 
Yeah, you know, and I said, do you want to redo our vows? Her vow was enough already. You know, um, this has been really trying, you know, uh, it's hard. You don't know me that well, but and, and, and people have just seen me on television thing. I'm a I'm a mess. I have trouble living with myself, you know, and I'm always trying to escape and run and run away from myself. So when you're not working, what hobbies do you have that help de-stress you? Work for me is my panacea. Distraction is my panacea. Anytime I could, right. you know, my favorite thing is stand-up comedy because in the moment of doing stand-up, you know, I don't like doing movies because for me, movies was uh, debilitating because you go and, you know, you read, uh, you read a, a page yeah. of dialogue and then they yell cut and you go in your trailer for four hours while they relight to get it from another, you know, I, I want to kill myself. It's like horrible I can't do that. So I love stand-up comedy because it's that immediate, it just gets me in the now. It's like being on a roller coaster or a thrill ride. So when COVID hit and we don't even have work, you know, I've been doing stand-up for 45 years. Up until COVID, I think the longest I've ever gone without being on stage was what, two weeks? Two yeah, and a half no, weeks? Yeah, you were gone all the yeah, time. Yeah, but, but even not gone. If you went out for dinner in LA and there was an open club, the comedy store, the laugh factory, or whatever, I'd say, I got to drop in. I got an idea. I want to I wanna try something out. Not having that and being locked in with me must have been hell for you. I know it's hell for everybody, but this has been a tough year. What you're saying is true. He doesn't really have hobbies. His hobby was stand-up comedy. As, uh, obviously, he made a living from it as well. But that is what he loves the most, to be on stage. So that was really hard for him. I feel bad. And he would try all the jokes on me and I wouldn't. She's not I, a laugher. I'm not a laugher, really. So Well, I don't get laughter. I'll say something. And then she she follows with, was that a joke? Right. I'm terrible. I'm sorry. If you have to ask, I'm going to say no. Now, now with the therapy that you talked about, the therapist you talked about that you referred to, is that ongoing? Do you still talk to this person? Yeah. I'm going I'm to get that name. I'm going to get that number from you. So I've moved my therapist into a whole no tax bracket, as I said before. It's just it's <laughs> uh, it, it's really hard. But I don't think there's anybody alive that doesn't need a coping skill with whatever. Yeah. You know, shit happens in life, you know, and we're not trained. We just go through it, you know, and whether that's. Uh, you know, how to cope with a relationship, whether that's becoming a parent, whether that's dealing with divorce, whether that's dealing with the pressure of a job or, you know, with ours, uh, rejection or being on, a, you know, in everybody's eye when you don't want attention. Uh, these are all things that anybody, whether it was a diagnosable uh, title like OCD or schizophrenia, there is nobody alive that doesn't need these coping skills. And I always say I wish it became part of our curriculum where we could take care of our mental health the way we take care of our dental health. If nothing's wrong with us, it's part of our curriculum to go get your teeth cleaned, to go get an x-ray, to say, look, mom, no cavities. But there's nothing in place in our society where even a young child is asked questions and just to see if the response is in the healthy range spectrum, you know, because we don't know. And it starts really young. And I think that's the biggest problem in our world is mental health more than guns, you know, violence, war, depression, politics, everything. What was it like talking about coming out and talking about these things before other people were doing it? Horrible. It, I can imagine. Horrible. I, I don't know that, uh, you know, I, I wrote a, a biography about six years ago and, you know, I, I came out publicly about it by accident on Howard Stern. So I was I was on Howard. I think it was in the 90s. 
And um, I, I didn't talk about it. And I was in uh, doing an interview and he had on at the same time, the guy that did uh, puppetry of the penis. You, you remember that show? <laughs> so anyway, this guy was touching his, his penis on the show and doing things. I don't know why that made great radio, but it was really funny to hear the, you know, the reactions in the studio. But for me with OCD, I was fixated on the fact that he's touching his dick and he's not, <laughs> The thing is that he was going to leave and there was only one door to leave. Oh, God. I knew there was no place to wash your hands in between that seat his, and, and the doorway. And I was thinking, how am I going to get out the door? How am I going to this guy who's touching his penis, even though I know it's theater. So he's, he's squeezing his Johnson and then he's doing what? He's and then he ends his interview and he leaves. And I see he just he doesn't wash his hands and he, and he opens the door by the door handle. And I finish about after he leaves, my whole thought process is how the fuck am I going to get out of this room? I don't know. I can't even hear anything. I know Howard's talking to me and everybody's talking, but it's like those old uh, Charlie Brown when the teacher's talking, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. you know, yeah. I couldn't hear. I couldn't focus. I couldn't hear. But finally, he wrapped it up. He goes, well, we've done it all. We've said it all. Thanks, Howie. Goodbye. And I walk over to the door. And I say, could somebody open it? I don't want to touch the door. That guy's been touching his dick and it's all over this door. He goes, just open the door. I go, I don't want, and I'm wearing that like a t-shirt. So I try to grab it with the bottom of my shirt, the handle. And, and uh, one of the guys, I can't remember who it was, swipes my, the shirt away, just open the door. So I go to grab a Kleenex to open the door and they take the Kleenex away from me. And then and then I said, you just need to open the door. And then they swipe something else away. And I started having uh, a panic attack, like uh, heart palpitations. Uh, I thought I was going to pass out. Uh, and I said, Howard, this is the first time I ever said it. I go, this is not a joke. I have something called OCD. I see somebody. I'm medicated. And if you don't open the door for me right now, I, I promise you that you will be calling 911 because I'm about to pass out. So he goes, oh, OK, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, and they open the door and I walk out onto the hall and in the hall in New York City, in the hall, I hear the show is still being broadcast. I thought I was in a break. I had oh no idea. I had no idea. So now I can hear the voice and I hear his voice. He goes, whoa, that was serious. How he's really suffering. And I went, shit, shit. And this is like 25 years ago. I was devastated. I went, number one. This is broadcast nationally. So my wife and the kids are going to hear that I broadcast nationally, that I have a mental health problem. They're going to have to go to school the next day and deal with whatever shit that is. This is like before social media right. and things like that. So this was the social media, the big radio show, big national radio show. He, uh, so they're going to be devastated. I just said publicly that I have a mental health issue. So people, no matter what the show is, it's cost millions of dollars. Who's going to put a guy to host, to be part of in, in a million dollar production, a multi-million dollar production that has mental health. So the, my, my career is over, my family's humiliated, this is the end. And I just remember I could hear myself breathing and panicking and I didn't know what to do. And I got into the elevator and I could just hear my heart beating and my breathing and I go, that's it. I just gotta end it, I can't face this, I gotta end it. And, and I went down to the lobby and I'm in the middle of Manhattan, the busiest place in the world. I never felt more alone, darker. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to uh, I'm looking through the doors, the glass doors in the bottom of the building. And there's traffic and millions of people walking back and forth, the hubbub of New York City. And I said, I just got to 
get up the breath. I'm just going to run into the traffic. And I walk out the door and it's teeming with people. And I'm just about to get the nerve to run into traffic. And in my periphery, a guy comes up. I don't even look up. And, and, and he goes, are you Howie Mandel? And I went, yeah, as my as my, you know, my heart dropped into my stomach. And he goes, I just heard you on Howard Stern. And I'm going, OK, that's it. And, and he just whispered two words, which means something different then than it means now. But he went, me too. And I went, what? He goes, I suffer too. And that was so nice to hear. And I went, what? And it was the first time I realized I wasn't alone, you know, that this is not something that's only me. Only, you know, part of the, the biggest part of the darkness is you think nobody understands nobody's there. That's why you don't want to mention it because it's embarrassing. Nobody else understands what you're going through. And he said, me too. And, uh, you know, I didn't run into traffic. And then weeks after that, I continually got letters. Remember letters before emails and texts and <laughs> tweets? I, I actually do. Yes. <laughs> and, and, yes. And, and they were saying, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for. And that's when I kind of came to the Conclusion, not only was I getting help myself because of this lovely lady right here, but I would I realized that the bigger problem is the stigma and not being open about it. And I've in, in since I've gone and spoke on Capitol Hill about, you know, trying to get insurance companies to parity the same amount of finance for mental health as they do for physical health. It's tried and proven that, you know, mind over matter, two people with the exact same physical ailment, if one has a better you know, mindset, the chances are that they'll feel better, they'll heal faster, that, you know, it's amazing what your mind can do. And the, and the only thing that would have been worse is if that show you wanted to host, the multi-million dollar show you wanted to host, you thought you were not going to host, Puppetry of the Penis got that job. <laughs> that would have really sucked. But anyway, the- um, Look, we're laughing and your wife isn't. Bingo. You, I'm laughing on the inside. You know, right. it's because I know what he's going to say. You know what? I would it. love you to be my audience now. So Terry was just saying to me the other day, you have to get back out there and for your own sanity. And you Are you going to? I'm afraid. So he's I'm afraid of the ha ha ha. All the air coming out of everybody. I don't want anybody. I don't want a group oh. of people facing me going, ha, 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 ha. Are you vaccinated? Yeah. So you're not. So are you worried about going into a club like that? I'm just not used to being around uh, people. I'm not used. To, have you? Are you guys vaccinated? Yeah. yeah. Have you been around? Do you go out? We go out with people who are also double vaccinated. And, and then we're like, we'll eat outside. We don't. We only eat, eat in restaurants. We can dine out. I was uncomfortable with people. You know, it's funny. My my single friends now. The the whole way of talking and thinking is so different because of this pandemic. Now my friends who are dating, it sounds like they're adopting puppies. You know, I'm going out with her. She has all her shots and she's comfortable around people. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. They had to have a mask on their face so they don't even know what they look like. Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Now, Terry, you were saying in the time we have left, you were saying that, that uh, I want you to use your words, but basically you, when it got time for him to do what he needed to do, to do what you what you thought was necessary for him to confront and to and to deal with his uh, OCD, uh, that you basically said, you know, uh, you know, the ball is in your court. There was an expectation on your part that he was going to take care of what he had to take care of. Is that correct? Yes, it, it definitely, because it really is up to him. I can't tell him the way I think he should live or how he should think. He has to take care of himself. And as a couple, we both have to work. Yes, I have to be very sympathetic. But also he has to do something about the problem. It, it, it was a problem for him, too, in his life. 
and for the whole family. So he has he has to address that. How did your mother through that? I don't want to say it was an ultimatum, but there's a little bit of an ultimatum and be like, you need to get help. There's a, a boundary that's drawn. But how do you parent through that kind of boundary making through that kind of stress? It was very difficult because he had his way of thinking and I had mine. And I'm telling you, a lot of times it was a lot of problems, but you always have to work on every relationship, whether it's husband and wife, parents, family, friends, whatever it is, we always have to talk. Once we stop talking and discussing and figuring out how we can make everything work in life, then it's over. We all have to do that. And that's not what's happening now. Now everybody's just angry with each other. And it goes with this too. You have to- with with this this thing, <laughs> first of all, I love him. So of course, I'm going I to support him. everything that you know. He's going through a lot. He is suffering. But that was that ultimatum, and you can use the word because that's what it was. That ultimatum that she gave me was mothering. That was the point. The right. point was I was making life hell for our family, and uh, the right. kids were a big part of it. I told you, my daughter crosses her legs and her foot touches mine, and she sees this. That's not good for the children. So she had to make a very crazy, strong decision to go, listen, first and foremost, I'm a mother. I'm raising kids. This behavior can't go on around the kids. And, I'm it, not- and it does yeah. pass to the children because some of our kids do have anxiety. It's mm-hmm. not his fault. He didn't. Re- we, I didn't even realize that that would pass to the kids, but it did. Do you think it was nurture or nature that or a combination of the two? A combination. I really do, because I see it in his family, too. They have certain things also that they have. But my family has a lot of things too, so we all do. I look around the world and and we are united in our suffering. And all of us are suffering a little bit different, depending on where we are, depending on economic status, depending on so many different things. But we're all suffering more than we were suffering in 2019. And I feel like we're talking more about mental health than ever before, which is wonderful. Very different time than than Howie when when you were, I don't, want, don't know if I should use the word outed. But now we're talking about our mental health. And at the same time, people are punching you in the face. So it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm wondering ideas that we can, I'm not expecting you guys to have the answer. We have to keep talking. That's what it's about. We just have to keep talking. We can't let that punch in the face stop us. Right. And that punch in the face and that kind of violence and everything we're seeing right now. You know, I said to Terry last night, she goes, what are you afraid of? And I said, I'm afraid of a civil war. And she goes, well, we're in it. You know, if you look at, you know, everything that's happening, uh, the civil war is. I said that last night, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did. Last night I said, I said, the language you hear. Last night we had dinner with some friends. I said, the language I'm hearing now in social media and commentary on the news and so forth and, and, you know, anywhere. I said, I haven't heard this kind of language. This sounds to me. I mean, I wasn't there, obviously, in the mid-19th century. I said, but this sounds what I've read about the Civil War. Right. And I said, but she, you know, her, and, and I thought that was pretty smart what you said. You go, but it's going on right now. And it's going yeah. on right now. It's not the blue coats against the red coat. It's, it's you know, mano on mano, whether they're punching uh, an Asian woman in the face or they're being anti-Semitic toward the Jews. That's the Civil War. That's the civility is gone. We're at war with each other. And I think that that's all just fear based. I think that that's what's happening. And we lose our fear if we communicate. But I think we're all we're living in a very perilous, fear filled uh, society right now, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's we're not getting what we voted for, whether economically we're going to make it, whether health wise we're going to make it. And this fear builds up and it becomes tension and it becomes kind of warlike and violent. 
the show is called What's One More? So, but we had just had this idea of, you know, we were just, the rug was pulled out from underneath us this past year and like silly things like going to the grocery store, having, you know, meeting a friend was prohibited. And so, you know, we want to ask our guests, what's your one more after realizing how much life can change so quickly and things that we take it for granted can just be taken away from you? What's your one more? What's one more glass of wine at the sunset? Doesn't matter. What's your one? more? Uh, you know what? People were asking me where, where I wanted to go after the pandemic. What, what place did I want to visit? I want to go to Italy or Spain. And I said, I just want to go to a restaurant. <laughs> one I more. Want, I just want a restaurant. We weren't doing anything. I just want to be around people. We like the milieu of the people. One more. Uh, it's too quiet. This whole thing is too quiet. Even though we get great alone time, it's just quiet. We just want to go out and, and I also just be around the ocean and look at the sunset. That's my favorite is just being near the water. I love the water. Let me just say this uh, about, about uh, to Howie, and that is I'm so glad that you're still in love with the idea of getting out and doing stand-up and performing. Because let me tell you something. Not only are you one of the funniest people in, in the entertainment business, in spite of all these things you've talked about that you've dealt with, you still have this wonderful positive energy to you. That is, this, I mean, no. You really he is, have. You're right. This, He's a very positive person. You have this person. effusiveness to you. You are such a wonderful Thank person you, at your job, the hosting, the this, the that, the comedy acting all of it you I, i've been a fan of yours for a long long time and thank you both for taking the time to do this with us thank you love you guys thank, thank you both you, you too you too thank you. Stay safe. thank you thank you bye what do you think about that it is so important for people like howie and you alec and for all of us to share our stories and experiences it's like howie said that in that terrible moment when he felt hopeless when that stranger looked at him and said me too there is power in realizing that we are not alone no matter how much we feel that we're the only ones struggling, the truth is that everyone has something that they're battling. By opening up, by prioritizing our mental health, we can not only find strength and support, we can also work to remove the stigma around issues like OCD. The term mental wellness is often misunderstood, just as we need a better understanding of how to care for our own mental health. And as Howie said, it's time we placed as much importance on our mental health as we do our physical health, like a yearly physical or visit to the dentist. There is so much more to learn and explore about OCD and mental wellness. So what's one more when it comes to learning the tools that can help us on the journey to a healthier mind? And that's why we're going to be talking more about this next week. That's right, guys. So tune in next week because we are doing a little two-part series where we're going to delve into OCD a little deeper. Thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And share the show with your friends and help us grow. We'll talk to you guys next week.